okay. Zero. I think it's started oh, recording. There we go. All right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's really good to meet you. Thank uh, you. We've already Pleasure been talking a bit, and what you've been telling me is what I've heard from so many students, and that is, is that actually what meditation that you're doing is taking you in the wrong direction. And so we need yeah. to be able to straighten things out a bit. One of the things that you had mentioned was uh, that the mind is like a beast that you're wanting it to um, uh, to settle down and relax, and it doesn't do that. It keeps jumping yeah. and jumping and jumping. Um, and one of the things that you could probably understand is is that now is actually the first time you've ever been paying attention to what the mind was doing. It's probably been jumping and jumping and jumping and like a wild animal just going all over the place. In fact, yeah. it's, uh, it's quite well known uh, and has been called this for centuries. It's a common phrase. We call it the monkey mind. Yeah, I, monkey I've heard about Okay, and so that monkey mind is actually the quality that every time that the monkey jumps, is he leaves because there's something unsatisfying with the place he left, and so it jumps and goes someplace else. And sometimes a monkey will be in one tree and he'll jump from this limb to this back and forth like we're trying to write an email in the mind without actually writing the email on, uh, uh, on paper. And so the mind can get stuck into a, uh, a loop. But basically, it's still jumping and jumping and jumping and jumping and jumping. This is the nature of the mind when it has no training. That in yeah. fact, one of the one of the kinds of trainings that the mind can have is the training of keep it going on a certain place. An example of that would be people who learn music, then they can perform and have it, you know, last a particular period of time in their mind. It might float away, but it stays on what they're talking about or what they're singing on. Or if they're chanting, like Buddhist monks will do chanting for long suttas, but they do that in recitations. That in fact, people can learn the entire Quran. It's common. The yeah. mind can do that. And that in fact, the, the memorizing of the Quran is part of the solution then to that monkey mind that keeps jumping all over the place, which is the untrained mind. Yeah. And true. so this is one of the reasons why monks, for instance, will do chanting before they sit in meditation is because that chanting will get the mind in a steady state so that then they can practice the meditation better. There's a lot of little things that can be done in this regard, but for, for many, many centuries, humanity has known about this uh, jumping mind. It's not just in Buddhism. That's part of, I mean, if there wasn't a purpose for memorizing the Quran, then why would they have schools of people doing that? That in fact, there's great value. Point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's great value in that. It actually has a kind of a mental training to it. So Anapanasati is also a mental training. That we're going to train the mind and in the way that you were talking about the beast jumping around the wild animal, 
The answer to that is, is that, yeah, we're going to jump on top of that thing and we're going to ride it. And not only we're we going to ride it, we're going to steer it. Oh, that sounds exciting, actually. All right. Yeah, we're going to turn it into a, uh, um, let us say, uh, a workhorse. All right. Well, that would be one powerful workhorse of that, I guess. Uh-huh. All right. So how are we going to go about doing that? This is where the key ingredients of the Eightfold Path come in, and that is most specifically one's right effort. That the first part of the Eightfold Noble Path uh, is one's right view. Right view comes first. If we have wrong view, then uh, we're going in the wrong direction. So we have to begin to change our view and basically, the view is upon one thing, and that is the entire teachings of the Buddha can be put down to just very few words. Islam, you have to explain. You have to take mm-hmm. a long time. The teachings of the Buddha can be packed up in very tight little package. Let I me like give it. you an example of that. Okay. Here's one with four words. Don't worry. Be happy. It sounds actually like a song more than a more than a Buddhist teaching, but okay. Okay. Well, it is actually exactly the same teaching as Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda, which is what is the foundation. In fact, that's the language that the Buddha used. That he says both formally and now, I've only teaching one thing, and that is Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda, which is the part don't worry, the Dukkha, be happy. Dukkha Naroda, be out of that stuff. Yeah. Now, a lot of people have the idea because of um, many Western religions and ideas is that, and then in fact, they even mistranslated it into calling it the Eightfold Noble Path. This is really not a path at all. It's a method. A path indicates like a road or a highway or some transportation that we're going from here to there. Uh, which means that everything is quite distant away. The good is way away. But if the teaching of the Buddha is good in the beginning, good in the middle, and good in the end, that means that the good is right here. There's no path to take to get to the good. And taking a path is a lot of no, a lot of bad, a lot of not so good to get to the good. And that's exactly the way that we look at the, the world backwards is we think that we've got to suffer in to order things. to gain, right? right this is a no, very westernized view of things, yeah. No pain, no gain. You got to travel. That's you got to, right. You got to go uh, do, the, do the walk, all right? So this is actually kind of backwards in the sense that um, pain goes in the direction of pain. That Buddhism, the teaching of the Buddha is very much along the lines of uh, the natural law that has been come to known as entropy. But in the, uh, the time of Newton, it was known as the law of inertia, which means that an object that's in motion tends to stay in motion and an object that's fixed tends to stay fixed. In other words, whatever state it's in now if there is inertia to keep it going in that direction, right? 
So uh -huh. if we are going in the direction of pain, which way are we headed? Well, pain, most likely. More pain. Right, we're, going, we're headed for pain. Okay, and they say no pain, no gain, which are, how do we going in this direction is going to get us back over here, the gain. Yeah. yeah All right, so yeah, you we have, have a point. To, yes. Yeah, I totally so, agree. Mm -hmm. So if we want gain, we need to go to gain, not pain. Yes, uh, that, that, that actually throws my approach to the meditation out the window because I think to myself that I have to sit through the 15 minutes and then start, you know, when the pain ends, the, the breath starts taking over. And that's, that's kind of wrong, actually. Uh -huh. Well, let us say that <clears throat> um, with the analogy of the mind being like the wild beast, Still, wherever the wild beast has roamed, here it is. Which means that you can just jump on it. It's not that the wild beast has wandered over into Timbuktu and you got to go all the way to Timbuktu before you can jump on this beast. Here it is. Yeah. Okay. So, in that regard, let me give you a different kind of a story. But okay. it's very similar. And this is the story of the cowherd, the Indian cowherd. This is not uh, drovers and, and rawhide and all of that, but it's just a guy okay. that's got maybe eight or ten cows. Okay. And he's got a stick that he uses to guide his herd. And on the way to, his, to the pasture, he passes through a, 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 a kind of a village where they have food stalls and kids playing. And he's got to put them down the path. And so he has to whack them to keep them in line. Yeah. Because if he doesn't whack the cow, the cow is going to get a carrot off of this food stall. This other cow is going to step on a child. And in fact, if he doesn't keep the cows in line at all, all of the cows are going to be all over the village. And he's going to have a whole lot of trouble, a whole lot of enemies, a whole lot of people screaming and yelling at him. And so the best thing for him to do is just to mind those cows and keep them uh, in line. Once he gets the cows out to the pasture, where the cows now are safe and secure, and that there's no danger, now he doesn't have to stand right there with them with the stick. In fact, he can go sit down under the tree yeah. and just keep an eye on the cows because they're all wholesome now. Okay. This is the analogy that the Buddha uses for the analogy of two kinds of thoughts. There are two kinds of thoughts, thoughts that are wholesome and thoughts that are not wholesome. And one's right view is to be able to distinguish what is right, what is wholesome and what is not wholesome. And, it, and so that means it's a skill to be developed, because in the beginning, we kind of think everything that I like must be wholesome. And then we begin uh -huh. to recognize, you no, know, just because I like it doesn't make it wholesome, that in fact, it might be quite dangerous. But I was getting some gratification out of it. But now that I see the danger, I can let go of it. Okay. All right. And so this is what defines the wholesome. And every moment in time, we either are having a wholesome thought or an unwholesome thought. 
And so we need to wake up and pay attention to the kind of thoughts that we have with some discernment. Our investigation ability, the ability to look and to make a kind of a judgment about is this a wholesome thought or not? And if it's not a wholesome thought, then we can actually dispense with it. We can throw that thought out. Hmm. Well, that, that, that implies being actually aware of this, which knowing myself, I probably will be for like 30 minutes and then forget about it for like three hours and go back to well, it. Well, like that's why it's five. a skill to be developed. And if you begin to develop these skills and really get the benefit out of it so that in fact the practice is good right from the very beginning, then because you see the benefit in this practice, you'll want to practice it more. You will become enthusiastic for it because you're seeing the benefit of it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so if, if we go back to the beast metaphor, now that I am standing in front of the beast, how do we get on top of that? The answer to that, then, the teachings of the Buddha, let us say, um, with with this kind of analogy, mm-hmm. is that the arm here is what we cling to, and in that regard, what you're clinging to is the mind. You want it to be different than it is, okay? Yeah. And so we're trying to control it. We're trying to make it different than what it is. Okay. And so to wake up is to recognize this internal conflict that we have, or maybe we can call it critical thoughts. And I'll talk to you about critical thinking in just a moment. But basically, we go from this state, which is the normal state of the mind, like this, with a fight, with a war inside, into, aha, I see you. You get the distinction? Aha, I see you. In other words, we wake up to it. There's a wake up. There is the sati that says, dang it, I see what's going on. Aha, I see that. That in fact, that was the statement that the Buddha made that became so famous. Aha, I see you, Mara. And that's exactly what we're talking about. This point in time when you actually look at the mind and you see that that thought is unwholesome, is unuseful, is of no value, and that we can tell that because it's probably a thought about the past or a thought about the future or thought about getting something done or thought about uh, an argument that we've had with someone or a thought about uh, some work that needs to be done. Yes. Okay. This is the kind of thoughts that we have, that that's that monkey mind that jumps from thing to thing to thing to thing, which is generally just one piece of unfinished business after another. So so what are you trying to, to tell me is that the first step would be to, you know, well, makes sense if you want to solve a problem you first have to notice that there is a problem and so you just have to notice and observe the the mind when it starts jumping i'm like okay 
You're and so right now we're at the point of seeing that that mind or that cow has grabbed that carrot or is about to grab that carrot, and that's when we whack it. Aha, I see you, Myra. That's that whacking it. Will seeing it be enough, though? Well, it is with the right intention. So let's continue along with it because we're just getting the story started. Okay. Okay. That once you realize that the thought is unwholesome, we're going to change it. Now, here's the thing about the way that the mind works. The mind is something like a conveyor belt. Uh, yeah, a conveyor belt of thoughts. And actually, In the sense of one thing after another after uh, another comes down this conveyor belt. And we think that because the what is in, on the conveyor belt right now in front of us, is all the conveyor belt has to offer. But in fact, within a second, the conveyor belt moves. And to now what's on the conveyor belt that's right in front of us could be completely different than the one that was just before. The thoughts are like that. They go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. You can already see that the mind is jumping. We call it the monkey mind, which means that in fact, Wherever it is right now is quite temporary. And so it should be quite easy then to put the mind into a thought that we actually want to have, that we have the ability to actually jump on that mind, or we have the ability to think the thought that we want to think when we remember to think that thought. Yeah. Just like any poem or any piece of the Quran or anything that you've ever memorized before, once you start it, the mind now is focused on that, and it's not focused on Aunt Susie and monkeys and beast of minds and all of that kind of stuff that's jumping around in the monkey mind. Now we're going to start putting it to have only wholesome thoughts, one after another after another wholesome thoughts. Okay, How so do we do that? Have well, a Pardon? I have a question. So would you would you say that any form of deep work is some sort of meditation? I would try right now for us to avoid words like deep. Okay. All right, All right. because we're not looking for something deep. In fact, if you think of it like this, we can think of it as, as that we're looking for something bright. Lightweight. When we talk about yeah, deep, that yeah. means going underground, and we're wanting to go up, not no, down. I meant that any kind of consuming work, you know, that the thing or something that you do that shuts down the mind, so to speak, where you are focused on the task at hand, would that be considered some sort of meditation? Uh, well, all kinds of things are considered meditation. It's so broad with so many definitions that I don't even want to use the word for what we're practicing, because what we're practicing is the teachings of the Buddha, and it has the quality of brightness to it. Okay. And in fact, I'm just getting into that part of it, of what are then the wholesome thoughts that we can start with? Because we can label and pretty well know <clears throat> from the beginning that any thought that's not about right here, right now, doesn't really exist. The past is gone. And the future is yet to come. 
and the and the future is not yet to be and when it is you don't know now what is going to be then that the only reality the real reality that we have is right here right now every scientific yeah. experiment is done in the present moment setting the thing up watching the sequence of events and we see that over and over and over again always in the here now yeah this reminds me of a thing i used to do as a kid when i was made to wash the dishes when i actually convinced myself that if i only think about the present moment there is only one dish to be washed mm-hmm. and so this i wouldn't dish. think of the yeah the the dish i'm holding so i wouldn't think of the entire pile of dishes ahead of me and behind me yeah it sounds a bit similar to that Okay, well, let's use that then, that the, the thought that you're having now is the dish right now that you're cleaning. And it only takes a second or two to clean these dishes, especially yeah. if they've already been soaking. And so you just grab that dish and push, and then finish next. with it, right. Okay, so we can actually change the mind and put thoughts in the mind that we want to have. You have a choice of which next dish you're going to take. Yeah, you can. You don't have to take the dish just because it's handed to you, or just because the monkey kind of jumped onto that dish. But in fact, yeah. you can take and put in the mind any kind of thoughts that you want to have. So thoughts about this present moment, and thoughts about how nice and how good things are and how wholesome they are, would be a way of starting. In Sutta number 118 in the Anapanasati Sutta, the Buddha refers to this now in a new language rather than wholesome and unwholesome, and taking the effort to take out the unwholesome and put the wholesome in. Now he uses the word wholesome in the sense of gladdening the mind, brightening the mind, polishing the mind in a way. Making it bright and shiny, and in another way of saying it, fit for work. Yes. Fit for work. We're going to get it up, not down. We're not going to go deep into meditation. This is not a deep dive. This is a let us wake up, stand up, and see what is right in front of us. Okay. All right. So, this approach. Now, in this regard, we will say things this brightening of the mind or gladdening the mind would be like, wow, this is nice. This is a nice breath. This is really good. Good in the beginning, a good deep in breath. A lot of people don't know it, but if you convince or if you question them about it, everybody will have to agree that you really, really do like having a nice, good deep in breath. I if can't you say otherwise. Don't, well, here's the way to find out. Wait five minutes and don't <laughs> breathe. You probably won't be around five minutes though okay so now you're getting it so breath itself gives you life so why should we only take just a little breath which is the normal conservative mind's thinking when in fact we could take a deep breath if we take a deep breath then the body is going to get oxygen it's going to be energized the mind's going to be able to think better and the blood is going to be purified because the carbon dioxide and other small particles that can go out with the breath on the out-breath will go out. And so we're actually purifying the body, making it fit for work, 
and we're purifying the mind and making it fit for work at the same time. So we actually have two efforts. One is the effort of taking long, deep, happy, easy in-breaths and relaxing long out-breaths while we're kind of doing that same thing with the mind. So we can say things like, as I breathe in, I breathe in joy. And as I breathe out, I relax, I relax. Okay. And then we have ideas like when thoughts come up of thoughts of things to do, we can say right now there's nothing to do. Nowhere to go. Everything right now is hunky-dory. Everything right now is okay. Everything right now is survive, survive, and I don't want anything. Isn't that nice? And so within a very short period of time, we can talk ourselves into the third noble truth. Here we are. No suffering. Everything's okay. I mean, if you stick to the present moment, everything is okay, more or less. In this moment, that's all we can do for is in this moment, one moment after another moment after another moment. One dish out of the next. Okay. What is your other option? Is pain will gain? No, that's the wrong way of doing it. That's the ordinary mind of working for a reward. The noble way of doing it is, hey, guys, time for the reward. The work's finished now. Yeah, this is... um... This is a very um, capitalistic view of, of, of meditation, so to speak. Right, it you is. Have to suffer it and then you get a reward. Mm-hmm. And the other way you could call it then would be socialism, that Buddha is actually socialism in the sense of you don't have to work. Here's your reward. Take it. It's free. Enjoy your life. Yeah. It's like you've already got to take it to the show. Just enjoy the show. You don't have to go do something to gain something. Yeah, this this radically shifts my my perspective of meditation. I thought I would sit through the pain, and you know, one day I wake up, I I'm happy. But now you're beginning to see that what you're actually practicing in that kind of meditation is the same old way that you've been living your whole life already, anyway. Yeah. Wanting to be free from um, uh, frustration and the desire and the attempt to be free from frustration gains more frustration. Yeah. Yeah. And yet going in the other direction actually works. Oh, I've got no reason to be frustrated. I'm okay. And then the frustration kind of melts away because we make ourselves uptight. You literally have been talking yourself into feeling bad for your whole life. That's that monkey mind, jumping and jumping and jumping and jumping and never being satisfied. So now let's start having some satisfying thoughts, intentionally having satisfying thoughts. By the way, do you think that allow this, uh, yourself to be the winner? Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that the, the longer this goes, examined the. Uh, the stronger the monkey mind becomes. Like we start, we all start with a monkey mind, but does it turn into a gorilla mind the more you ignore it, so to speak? Well, first off, we're not ignoring it. Second off, 
actually, in a way, we're not turning it into a gorilla, but we're killing it right in the spot. Yeah, no, I meant that, for example, for a 20-something person and that same person at 40, would their monkey mind grow stronger with the age or would it lessen and would they be more at peace as they grow up? Always we have to look at the issue of are these thoughts wholesome or not? Okay. Okay. Now, wholesome, actually, if you uh, understand it correctly, wholesome is smaller than unwholesome. Unwholesome is vast. Wholesome is small. That, in fact, you can think of it also exactly like this, that true is small and false is vast. Oh, yeah, there are more. Here, here's an example. example. How old are you? 23. Now lie to me. How old are you? I'm six. Lie to me again. How old are you? Yeah, for every, for every right answer, there's a, probably an infinite amount of wrong answers. Well, I wouldn't say infinite, but I would say a whole lot, a whole bunch, yeah. enough that we have to understand that Truth is small and falseness is large. The same thing with unwholesome is vast. Our society is quite vast, very complicated. Yeah, we are. But if you live a very wholesome life, it becomes to get really simple. Yeah, the life at, at the monastery is rather simple compared to what's around it. And and all and even though in that regard, still is not always wholesome. <laughs> Depends upon the mind of the individual. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've read some uh, some things that are not very wholesome about them. Unfortunately, okay. things happen sometimes. Well, everyone is in training. So instead of looking and judging others in what level of training they're in, the right view would be to investigate what's happening Myself. here. Right, within. Yeah. Is this thought wholesome? And so thinking about unwholesome thoughts and unwholesome monks way over there, that's an unwholesome thought. A wholesome thought would be, let them go. We don't need to think about what they're doing. Let's just be here now and let us have wholesome right here, right now. This This is literally the opposite of modern media. Actually, mm-hmm. right. Well, modern media like, is based upon if it, le- yeah. if it if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, it's they're like looking you're for sitting, you're sitting, you're sitting here, and they're like, "Okay, how about this guy? Look at this guy in, in, in the Congo River. He finds gold and kills three people for it." Uh, I think I think social media and our phones are not making this. You're breaking up a bit. Can you oh. repeat what you said? I, I said, do you think that, um, you know, our phones and social media are feeding this monkey mind, so to speak, and preventing us from staying here right now? Actually, all of culture is designed that way. Our entire culture, whether it's the medieval, uh, excuse me, the Mediterranean culture 
or the Western culture. Mediterranean culture is an honor culture and uh, American and European culture is yeah. a guilt culture. Yeah, you might you might have uh, heard about that before, but in yes. both cases, the honor versus the guilt has to do with the quality that things need to be improved. Yes, we use we use words like critical or criticism in the sense that where did the city come from? The city came from a village. Where did the village come from? It came from a house. Where did the house come from? It came from a hut. Where did the hut come from? It came from a lean-to. Oh, sorry, oh, my dad. Okay. Yeah, I'm having a terrible connection this morning. I don't know. All right. Well, we'll you, you take note of that and make repairs later. Yes. Okay. We are so here for now. We were talking about where does the city come from? The village. Where does the village from? A, from a house. Yeah. Where does the house back all the way to the lean-to? And in every case. The new one was okay for the moment, and then it became not okay. Yeah. All right. Why is that? Because we keep wanting more and more and more and more. And when is it ever going to be enough? The answer to that in our societies, it's never enough. There's always more. There's more money to make, another wife to have, another job to get. Yes. Okay, it's just more and more and more, and we are based into the fact that we are not satisfied, and we are trained out of our satisfaction as little kids. Little kids really, really have fun. Adults has been drained out of us. Yeah. yeah. And so part of the practice of Anapanasati is getting back in touch with a deeper, more natural part of us, moment by moment, to come out of the critical mind into a nurturing mind. Every little baby, every little child uh, survives because of the mother's nurturing. She takes care of it. She feeds it. She clothes it. She bathes it. She takes care of it. She loves it. She nurtures it for a while. Yeah. And then she starts listening to what society has to say about her kid. And so she puts him into school and she beats him with a stick. And she says, you go do what you're told to do. And that child then loses his nurturing. And now we have many, many years of criticism and critical thinking. Yeah. Which means yeah. that I like this. I don't like that. This is good. This is bad. I got to have this. I don't. I want to get rid of that and this is actually when we do those things ignorantly that's suffering that's the actual definition i just gave it to you the classical definition of suffering is wanting things that you don't have and trying to get rid of things that are difficult to get rid of yeah, this is this liking or not liking. Yes. 
And okay, so in that regard, the mother who is nurturing the child, whatever the child is doing is okay. She's nurturing. We do not expect the child at three days old to learn his ABCs. Yeah, don't. Or to go so, to work. It's not yet time for him to go to work. But then everybody in the family says, aha, but there will be a time when he goes to work and then he'll be just like us, a miserable human. Right now, he's a happy baby and we don't want him to remain a happy baby. We want him to become a miserable human like us. Yeah. How dare he be happy? How dare you be happy? Right. And so that happiness has been trained out of us. And the whole practice then of the teachings of the Buddha is, look, what unwholesome critical thoughts we have had all this time when we could have had nurturing happy thoughts instead. And so we begin to start thinking nurturing thoughts. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. You're okay. Here, have a sip of coffee and enjoy your life. Take a deep breath. Be here now. And so this is the kind of language that we want to start having for ourselves. Is everything's all right? No need for any worries or any work to do for a little while. Let's relax. This is a conclusion I'm coming to rather recently in a practical way. I, I, I thought whenever I worry about the future, I'm like, I'm too tired to worry about it at the moment. So... How about being, I'm too happy to worry about it. Yeah, the outcome is similar either way, whether I'm trying to think about it every second or I just ignore it until it shows up. More or less the same outcome, actually. Right, so now you can begin to see, wait a minute, that stuff is really unwholesome. I'm going to intentionally throw it out and start having happy thoughts instead, rather than I'm too tired to think about that. It's that I'm too (laughs) I'm too happy to be that. Yeah, I'm too happy to think about that crap right now. Yeah. Even thinking about being tired is too much work. I want to think happy, bright, up. Okay. This is a radical uh, shift of mindset, yeah? It is a radical change in mindset. That's why the teachings of the Buddha are so radical and always have been. But because they're so radical, many people don't understand them. They become yeah. devoted Buddhists and they turn Buddhism into a religion. Yeah, they think when in fact of they could have been happy instead. Yeah. That doesn't work, I guess. All right. So. One of the things that I would recommend, a lot of people think that sitting for a long period of time is what meditation is about. But basically, the mind gets tired and that we're not practicing in order to live our lives sitting in meditation, like in a cave or something that you want to live. And so that means that any benefit that you're getting out of Anapanasati, you want to have wherever you are in whatever moment. Yeah. That in fact, We want to have mindfulness in the moment whenever we need it the most. That's why we're practicing mindfulness as a skill is because we want it to be there so that I can wake up at just when I need it the most, just when I'm about to have a pity party or when I'm in trouble with the police or anything like that. This is time to wake up, to really be here in the present moment. 
to be sharp and focused and alert and knowledgeable and also in control. Yeah, these are things I definitely feel like I lack a lot. So this is what sati is about, is to recognize that you can, in this moment, climb on top of that beast and be in control of it right then and there. How do we do that? Is by having that beast stop having wild, unwholesome thoughts and have instead wholesome thoughts. You can put yeah, in whatever thoughts you see think. Beast what, make, what, what makes the beast think? Pardon? It's what you feed the beast that makes the beast. Feed it okay. wholesome thoughts, it will be wholesome if you feed it bad things, it will be even more stubborn, I guess. This is exactly right. Cause and effect. So you're feeding, the, you've been feeding the beast a bunch of wild meat, and so it's been wild. Now you're going to start feeding it uh, happy meat, and it will begin to be happy. I guess so. Yes, I'll give this a shot. It's definitely liberating. Yeah, it feels liberating. That's the word for it, I guess. Okay. So instead of practicing an hour a day, for a long period of time, I would recommend that you take those 60 minutes and break them into six 10-minute sessions so that okay. you would do this. The first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning, what do you oh, do? I actually tried that. It doesn't work. I just go back to sleep. Okay. Well, that's what you normally do. Everybody does that. First thing that we do in the morning as we wake up is we go back to sleep. Right. So now we're going to think about the first thing that you do in the morning when you are actually wake enough to have an idea of the first thing you're going to do. Yeah. Is that you're going to have happy thoughts. You're going to start taking some deep breaths before you ever get out of bed. Your first 10 minutes is going to be, I'm going to get myself into a really good state before I even get out of bed. I'm going to have a really wonderful day today. I'm going to start by taking some deep breaths and be in a moment and be here now and not worry about any tiredness from the night or any dreams I've had. Just let all of that stuff wash away. Let me take a few deep breaths and be really ready for it. Ah. I will definitely be trying that. So um, I would advise breaking up the hour into 10-minute sessions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this sounds so more, uh, more uh, doable, so to speak. Mm -hmm. get lazy, and so 10 a.m., you can take a break of whatever job you're doing. Say, so let me take a tea break. I, many people will uh, uh, take a smoking break. And what do they do on that smoking break? They go out there and they breathe well with a cigarette. Now yeah. you can go and breathe well with happy thoughts. Yes, my new cigarettes. And take uh, 10 minutes uh, off. Okay, and so we can do that several times a day. The last thing you do at night when you get in bed is you can have thoughts about instead of having thoughts, oh, I've got to get to sleep because I've got to get so much work to done tomorrow. That's a normal yeah, way. Yeah. Oh, this is a classic. The other way of doing it is say, wow, right now I don't have any place to go and nothing to do. I can lay here and just enjoy the night and let sleep yeah. come when it may. But right now I really like this. This, oh, I feel so good. Yeah, this is this is exciting, actually. I need to try this. Yes, you start practicing that. Very so well. I tell you what, do that for several days and then call me back and we'll talk a bit more. Definitely. Yeah, 
I'm gonna do it for a couple of days and see what happens. All right. Okay. That is great. Actually, I'll do it in a couple of. I'm gonna study for a bit probably and take a little uh, smoking break, and I'll uh, <laughs> smoke with the rest. Exactly. So. Okay. I mean, Thanks. it's been really great. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, me too. This is this is nice. This is actually, you know, I feel drowned in information, but starving for actual practical wisdom. There's tons of videos on whatever and books and things, and no one actually, you know, sits down with you and gives you the talk of what's up. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, it's worthwhile for you to uh, to review the video. It'll be right to your own Skype for you, so you okay. can just sit right in Skype and watch it. Okay. Or download it. Thank you, Mr. Damarato. This was this was really liberating and insightful. Thank you so much. Excellent. We'll see you. Well, have a good day, or what remains of it, and I'll see you in a couple of days. You go have a good moment. Have a happy thought. <laughs> okay, I will. Thank you. Bye -bye. Alrighty, bye bye. Bye.